Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. How you doing, Adam? I was up early for a shoot, Ben. One of, oh. the, uh, one of the rare shoots that I've, <laughs> uh, that I've decided to do lately. The collapse of my filmmaking career... I have uh, a convenient excuse of I moved to a different town and I have fewer contacts. <laughs> What's your excuse? That's a great question. I <laughs> Today's shoot was a drone shoot, and this was mm. like a couple of years ago. So were you taking out a wedding or a <laughs> hospital? <laughs> yeah, I was just running it into things and people. <laughs> I, I would be doing that if I were a hobbyist, Ben. Yeah. You just, you have a real hate on for Médecins Sans Frontières, and you're always taking out field hospitals. Any fucking chance you get to speak French, you'll just <laughs> fucking take it, won't you? That's so irritating. <laughs> I thought before we had a podcast that this was going to be the career track for me. Yeah. I grew up flying model airplanes. I got a drone helicopter and I was like, I'm going to, this is a license to print money. This is going to be great. And you got the, like, you get the FAA license to fly it for remunerative reasons, right? I did the whole thing. I'm on the up and up. But guess what, Ben? You know who isn't interested in the up and up? <laughs> any Clients? video, any actual video producer. Yeah. Like, as soon as you get into a pre-production meeting with them, they're like, oh, so there's like a permit process and like FAA permission and like different kinds of airspace. And you're like, yeah, yeah, there are. All of those factors are, are a part of it. And they're like, great, well, we'll call you. And then you don't get the call because they had their nephew fly instead. Right. Like completely off the books and off the records. I had a client want me to do some drone stuff and I said, oh, I don't have the license, so I'm not really willing to risk doing it and ha facing some kind of criminal penalty. And they're like, okay, well, we'll get a college kid to come do it. And I said, I don't feel comfortable with that either. Like, I don't want to be there, like, right. like, nominally the director of the project with some kind of, with some kind of, like, control over the thing. And you're just, like, having some young person put their future at risk. And they're like, it's it'll be fine. And... Then it wound up being an indoor project, and they were using the drone indoors. And I was like, well, if if I'd known it was inside, <laughs> I would have had a totally different... Why didn't you tell me that? It is... So many parts of, of this form of production are frustrating, but uh, today's shoot went great. I It was a, a real estate video, so I shot a couple of properties with it. Easy peasy. It was cool. great, uh, with the added benefit of this being uh, an old college buddy of mine who was directing and producing the shoot, and this is a guy I haven't seen in quite a while, and uh, and during our scout last week, we got to talking about what the both of us had been up to, <laughs> and you know how that conversation goes now, Ben, because uh, this 
friend of mine who hasn't really been updated on my life lately was like, so are you still right. doing a uh, corporate video for uh, for big aerospace company? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm doing some of that still. But like what I'm really doing is podcast. And he was blown away by yeah. this. But like... <laughs> If we had still been doing this uh, this show in anonymity, he would have been blown away by it. But when I started to tell right. him just how this thing took off, and uh, and and the, about the friends of Desoto and about doing live show tours, uh-huh. uh, it just blew his mind. And every time I retell that story to someone I haven't uh, been close to in a while, that's the effect. Yeah, it's weird. I I was at a dinner party with my wife recently, and I was one of two people at this dinner party who was not an attorney, (laughs) which is like... Does that make you a goyim? (laughs) (laughs) That is a very offensive stereotype. (laughs) Did Um, you, if you'll notice, I paused like a half a second extra before I said it to give you a a place to edit. (laughs) Well, after they had me turn the lights on because it was Saturday, uh, (laughs) I, uh, I, you know, like, no, it's, it's a fun hang for me because I'm a little bit of, I'm a little bit of an anomaly, but the explain what you do for a living used to be very easy. And I could like, cause you don't want to, kind of make the party about yourself you don't want to drop a a conversational bomb that will have 25 follow-up questions right which i sort of make a living talking about star trek on the internet does i prefer to be the listener in most social situations (laughs) or like i'm happy talking to somebody about it one-on-one but when i have the attention of 10 people at a dinner party and the other people all have like real jobs doing important things and i'm like uh <laughs> you know what's I'm been happening a, to i'm me? in a different tax bracket and i'm kind of a dipshit <laughs> has this been happening to you where you'll be in a mixed social situation like that and no one is there to do bits with you yeah it's tough it's uh it's really tough this relationship and this show has rewired my brain in that way <laughs> like you can't do bits all the time with right. everyone sometimes no. people don't want to participate in that kind of silliness yeah and and sometimes people don't know what jokes are or particularly <laughs> care for them <laughs> it really helps you figure out who in the room you don't really want to spend time with <laughs> yeah. yeah that's self-selecting it's funny, like, if I ever need to revisit, why did we use the subtitle a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast? Like, all I need to do is be in a semi-grown-up social situation where that comes up, or, like, have to yeah. fill out a form where that comes up. Yep. <laughs> we'll never forget. <laughs> that. Uh, the subtitle to our show is our 9-11. Yeah, it's true, Adam. Well, speaking of drones, do you want to drone on about Star Trek? Yeah, I could be into that. Let's uh, let's get started as we enter into season two, episode twenty-two, The Wire. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of 
course you don't. Where we learn that the repetitive epic is the most celebrated literary genre in, in <laughs> Cardassian literature, Ben. Yeah. The, I love that that has a name. And it, it's, it's a thing. It's totally... It's great. Like, you know, I like to make an effort to be well-read. I like to... I like to I like to read a book. I'm always reading a book. Sometimes sometimes dipping into the classics is like a temptation, you know, like oh, I sh-, you know. You're just fucking literacy signaling, aren't you? Yeah, fuck you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make a point here. You know, like you you try and read something that like is supposed to be like one of the greats, you know? Like I think I tried to read uh Moby Dick at some point or maybe it was maybe something else but like one of those type of books that just everybody one of the greats everybody has at their fingertips as a reference and knows like the rough plot of but very few people have actually read and it was fucking unreadable you know like a lot of uh, a lot of those you know quote unquote great books like I had a conversation with my dad recently about Ulysses (laughs) and just like that's like the best novel, according to people who take that stuff really seriously. According to dads? Well, like, he and I agreed. Like, what? how is it the best novel if it's unreadable? How, like, what the fuck are we supposed to get out of it? You have to have a certain kind of sweater vest to enjoy that book. <laughs> yeah. It's like the best novel for people who want to feel important for agreeing that it's the best novel. My only relationship to Moby Dick is the Twitter account that just tweets single sentence passages from it. Mm. And uh, that sounds like a lot less upsetting than most of the Twitter accounts I follow, which just retweet things that are horrible about politics. Well, I think one of the uh, shrewd moves by the person who runs that Moby Dick account is that uh, they tailor the lines for the moment. And so. Wow. There is a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot about that account when you read the sentence of the day when it drops that is appropriate for the time. Fun. But even with that, no interest <laughs> in reading the book. So Bashir and Garrick are hanging out. It's like it's morning time, and Garrick is pissed off because there's like a freighter that was supposed to have dropped off some sweaters, but. The uh, the aliens that operate this freighter do do not have a concept of time. Though I must say they make magnificent sweaters. <laughs> the USS Joanne Fabrics <laughs> didn't didn't make it to their port of call. Yeah, they they just got lost in their quilting bee. They got a little distracted. Um, yeah, the um, the, uh, the the USS Hobby Lobby. <laughs> Very problematic ship. Yeah, like I've uh, taken all of my business across the street to the uh, to the USS Michaels ever right. since uh, I found out what the USS Hobby Lobby is up to. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, Bashir is complaining about this book that Garrett gave gave him that sucked and. Uh, it's hard you know, to take. Like I get Garrick's perspective when you when you recommend a. a a thing of media to someone, you, you take it personally if they don't like it. Yeah, like, it, it is a source of genuine friction in my relationship that uh, my wife does not care for Rick and Morty. Well, 
<laughs> there are a lot of reasons not to like Rick and Morty. Most specifically, the people who like Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah. But I personally like Rick and but, Morty, so I have a complicated relationship to that. Yeah, she doesn't know anything about the uh, about the toxic fan culture of Rick and Morty. The people who just yell out catchphrases in public at top volume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where were we that somebody was doing we were in, was doing wubba lubba dub dub and we were like man like the joke about that is that it's an asshole thing to do not yeah. that you should be going around doing it <laughs> it's like uh, it's like the people who started fight clubs after they saw the movie fight club you know yeah. just yeah. Uh, totally missed the point yeah so they're like i think they're trying to trying to find their lunch date vibe and uh, you know they go through the list of restaurants corks is out of the question as is as is klingon buffet um is quarks out of the question because they don't serve food before noon or something did you get a, a clear read on why they weren't going to go there i got the sense that it was more that garrick wanted a chiller a chiller vibe than that right because of the splitting headaches he appears to be taking on yeah, this is one of those scenes where you kind of think it's going one way and then just they randomly drop in Garrick getting distracted from the conversation by his splitting headache. And I was just trying my... Are you all right? I'm fine. You know, the doctor is given to concern over these kinds of things and Garrick is given to evasiveness and uh, self-autonomy, you know? Yeah. This is a conflict between them that has been a long time coming i think kira shows up in a sort of like script formatting appearance <laughs> yeah. like, she like walks out of the crowd and is just like i'm a character on this show okay bye it's like her specific use here is to take us to opening credits <laughs> she's like what is that about and bashir's like i don't know and then slammed to credits <laughs> yeah they just both turn to camera yeah uh, both she and Cisco basically have one line in this episode, and that's it. They got more than Dax, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I guess Dax is in it, right? She's, yeah, Dax is in the next scene when she's uh, got the uh, the well, plant that mim, mim, that uh, appears to be what I always pictured as the Mornhammer. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Not a lot of uh, grooming being done around the base of the Mornhammer, it appears. Yeah, Dex, you got to manscape your plant. I mean, the one thing we need in this scene is a way to discuss the type of care Bashir is used to giving, both yeah. people and fauna. <laughs> right. Because they use this plant as a jumping off point. Now, Dex, because this plant is uncircumcised, you need to take special care to clean under the foreskin. <laughs> Whenever you're watering it. <laughs> that'll, that'll prevent the buildup of smegma and unpleasant odors. Dax is chatting him up about, about the plant, but also about like the difference between a work friend and a friend friend, I feel like. Yeah. Because Bashir may have things twisted, according to Dax. Well, I mean, I think he's in a confusing place because he did sort of get ordered to be... To to accept Garrick's overtures of friendship by Cisco, yeah. But now he is sort of in that place of I kind of do think of him genuinely as a friend. 
Yeah, and like if you see a guy feeling pain right in front of you and he's your breakfast buddy and has been for a year, like this is a weekly lunch date they've had. Like, yeah. I think uh I think it's easy to see how how things could become more than only professional, especially when the guy's obviously suffering. Right. This is I think the first episode where Garrick has a couple of clear motivations and a couple of genuine moments. Like you're all like one of the fun things about this character is that you question everything he says. And there's plenty of that in this episode, but, uh, and, and I think initially that splitting headache, you wonder, is that a real splitting headache or is this some, is he, is he, off on one of his games already. Yeah, you ever get a splitting headache to get out of an awkward conversation? (laughs) Yeah, not tonight, honey. I mean, I've had people do it to me, is what I'm saying. (laughs) But yeah, that's a thing that seems to be within this character's capabilities, right? The headache that isn't real for reasons. Right. And um, uh, that's not the case here. He's genuinely in pain. And, you know, they talk about like... Like, do you trust Garrick? Does he trust you? And that's also a fun question. Like, does does the relationship they've formed contain any trust? And can it when Garrick is so evasive all the time? When when trust is like never really on the table from his side? Because Bashir is a non professional spy, and it appears that Garrick is. Like, I don't get the sense that there's any spycraft happening here that I think Cisco's game has got to be eventually, maybe many (laughs) years down the road, Garrick will say something by mistake or get too casual with Bashir in a way that will betray his true identity. Yeah. I mean, Bashir is presented as being so guileless Yeah, so much of the time that like, it's it's amazing to think that Cisco would think that he would notice when something was important enough to report up the line. Yeah. What are you doing now? A little later on, Bashir sees Garrick talking to Quark, and this is after hours. This is after the promenade is closed. And there's like, what I'm gathering is like a window at Quark's where like toward the end of the night as they're putting the stools up on the the bar, maybe you can go up to the window and get like one last drink for the road. Yeah, there used to be a bar in my neighborhood in Brooklyn that would, uh, they served all kinds of beverages, both alcoholic and non in styrofoam cups so that you could like walk out plausibly with a you know a margarita like a 16 ounce margarita in a styrofoam cup oh that's nice that didn't read as being booze sure so it just uh, read as asshole with a styrofoam cup (laughs) well those are those are recyclable now adam so they're not any more of an asshole move than any other single-use plastic item Fair enough. Which I guess are generally kind of an asshole move, but like, hey man, it's the world we live in. <laughs> These are things that are going to have to be decided at a market level, not at the individual consumer level. No one cares about anything anymore, Ben. 
it's a real shit show. Bashir sees Garrett kind of storm off after uh, appearing to not get what he wants. Yeah. Quark. He overhears the end. It's like a, Quark, you need to get this quickly. Like, you need to Amazon Prime this shit to me. And it's got the... It's got the tones of a of a drug deal, I would say. <laughs> sure. Uh, there's a lot about this episode called The Wire that makes me think that Garrick is sort of the bubbles of <laughs> Deep Space Nine. And <laughs> the overhearing a drugs conversation but misunderstanding its meaning is maybe maybe one of the best parts of that. Yeah, that's fair. That's right on. You're walking down them alleys of the projects, man. You're stepping on the dead soldiers. Bashir, like, kind of saunters into the bar after having stood upstairs listening to this. And, uh, like, I couldn't help but something, something, something's Quark. It's another one of those things where Quark knows that everybody knows what he's up to. But yeah. still but still proceeds apace, you know? <laughs> Quark still walking the promenade unpunished for... Attempting to run guns in the last episode. Right. (laughs) Teflon Quark. Yeah. The next scene is Cisco's little cameo in the episode. Yeah, gotta get him paid. He pulled his jaw yelling at admirals, which is pretty uh, on character. That sounds like a made-up story for why he may have jaw pain, Ben. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you think he was... uh... He was deep-throating something? I don't know. Necheyev was just on the station not too long ago. Yeah? Maybe there's a thing. Hmm. I'd like to see that. I mean, I wouldn't like to see it, but I'd like to I'd like to see that relationship unfold. That'd be nice. That's a lot of that's a lot of levels of uh of command to be <laughs> uh, fraternizing between. Yeah, no kidding. Up the long ladder, indeed. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you you drop the right canopy off on Necheyev. She's down for anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, one line of dialogue out of Avery Brooks. When you get an yeah. Avery Brooks on set, I guess that's that's all you need. Yeah. It really looms large over this episode. O'Brien is there to help Bashir, like, dig into the computer to get some like Cardassian biology stuff which is really just like a plot device for Bashir won't know how to help Garrick later in the episode (laughs) (laughs) like that is kind of O'Brien's function in this yeah it really is and uh and that scene is like it's cut short because Quark calls is trying to call a cab for Garrick because he's been overserved at the bar and uh he's uh Garrick's drinking Drink. the blue drink of headache relief. <laughs> God. Did I step not, on you? That, that's not what I wrote down. <laughs> I, was drink, I, I had that he was drinking the blue drink of not really dealing with your problems. Oh. <laughs> I sort of saw it as an Aleve type beverage. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You take one and it lasts 12 hours and he's taken three. And a Proxen sodium suspension. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh he's doing he's doing a lot of the classic overserved guy at the bar moves where, you know, he he resists the accusation that he's been overserved and kind of falls for a lot of bullshit where people are like, "Okay, you you and me, why don't we go drink together somewhere else?" Yeah, that sounds fucking great, man. A lot of like not noticing the bottle getting passed from 
behind Bashir's back to Quark. That was a fun bit of business. I thought Armin Shimmerman's performance in this scene was really delightful. He's yeah, really sells how put upon he feels. I like the wiggle that Bashir gives the bottle too. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just behind the back; it's like a wiggle, wiggle, and then uh, <laughs> and it gets his attention in a fun way. Garrick is an energy drunk, which is yeah. which is definitely a type of drunk that. Uh, <laughs> That is not on the spectrum of fun drunks, I don't think, uh-huh. because he's the, the type that needs to be fenced in a little bit, needs to be controlled right. uh, yeah. so that he does not become destructive. And this is what Bashir attempts to do. His drunk has become everybody else's problem to deal with. Yeah. And, uh, and so even Bashir, though it's not like abusive drunk or sad drunk, yeah. it's still sucky drunk. And you can't diffuse an energy drunk. You can only hope to like herd them. <laughs> and that's what Bashir attempts to do here. R- right. And uh, before he can do it, Garrick collapses on the floor, and they have to do the Deep Space Nine equivalent of an ambulance, which is a site-to-site transport to the infirmary. Right. Pretty clean floor of Quark's bar, I gotta say. Yeah, Quark's running a tight ship, you know? I you think not uh, customers with a dirty floor. You, you can't run a, like a, a fancy hotel casino type establishment and have you know, peanut shells all over the floor or whatever. I mean, I I wouldn't want to fall on the floor of my local, and it's not to say that my local is a dive or anything, but I think I think Quark's keeping it pretty clean. Yeah. I noticed that a lot of, like, older bars opted for carpeting on the floor. Oh, and, I do uh, not like that choice. Yeah, that's a that seems like a bad call. If what they're trying to do is knock down the echo, they should be carpeting the ceiling. Right. That's where all your acoustics are going anyways. Yeah. Now, if you're trying to remodel your local bar, (laughs) the very worst thing you can do is cap at your flooring. (laughs) We've gone with a floor treatment of an engineered lumber that is very watertight and easy to maintain. When you buy this new laminate flooring, what you get is a laminate section on top of plywood. The boards click into place making installation a snap. Remember to acclimatize your engineered lumber in the space for a few days before you install it so that it doesn't warp later on. (laughs) In this context, warp does not mean travel at a speed faster than light, but rather (laughs) change shape suddenly to create bowing and bending. I feel like they would have to pepper information like that in in uh, this old enterprise, you know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> have you been watching the uh, the new season of this old from Charleston? I have. It is. It's a kind delight. of uncomfortable. The like, hey, yeah, this is the ha- part of the house that the slaves used to live in. Yeah, that's like tough. I don't think that they're not like addressing that and like confronting how uncomfortable it is, but like, I have never. I guess, and I, I suppose it's just like a place of origin privilege of mine that I've never thought that any house I've lived in might have had slaves in it at some point. But it, I guess it, like you just run into that in certain parts of the country. It's a situation where you're getting like a little bit of history with that accent, and yeah. it is it is incredible. Like uh, <laughs> now, when you're remodeling houses south of the Mason Dixon line. <laughs> Occasionally you'll get the quarters for the masters and then the the side quarters for the slaves. This can make for a very problematic episode 
of your public television show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I think that they are they are aware of the discomfort that they're they're heading into and have like done a lot to like talk about it. But also I maybe would if I was the producer of a public television show about rebuilding old houses might just like go like hey like this isn't necessarily our lane and let's just stay out of it (laughs) i gotta say like as as difficult as those things are to talk about nothing is as deeply upsetting racially as uh richard going to the motown museum yeah yeah. (laughs) like nothing beats realize that that they everything is uphill from that (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, if you have any concerns about this episode and how we're turning the slave quarters into the older daughter's bedroom, allow us to direct your attention to the time we sent the plumber from our show to the Motown Museum. Oof. I, I'm still getting chills thinking about that. I have never laughed that loud at, tele- at any television thing ever. Like... Nothing has ever been funnier to me than that. My wife Whether it was intentionally or not. <laughs> My wife and I went to the Stax Museum while we were in Memphis, and it's all I could think about as a visitor <laughs> to that place. Like, do not pull a Richard. Do, Keep it cool. Do not attempt to do a two-step under any circumstances. Yeah. The next scene is is Garrick is like totally incapacitated in the infirmary, knocked out on the slab, and uh, Bashir is actually consulting with Odo, uh, Mr. Bunkett, because he's discovered a device inside Garrick's brain that is wired into all different parts of his brain, and it's like there's like scar tissue around it and stuff. But he he's he's got Odo there because he wants to see what this drugs deal situation with Quark might have been about. And Odo's like, oh, yeah, I can help you with that. I monitor every transmission Odo, uh, that Quark sends off the station. Like, it is revealed that Odo lives deep inside Quark's ass in this episode. It's a massive reveal that only goes a little bit like Bashir is surprised. But right. he is not go to Cisco surprised. Yeah, like start riots in the streets surprised, which he should be. I get the sense that because Quark is not Starfleet and Odo is not Starfleet, that it's sort of a gray area, right? Like Odo is operating uh, according to his own set of rules as written by the the joint team of Bajor and and Starfleet, right? Yeah, he has he has Cisco's trust, you know. Yeah. But he has such a weird job. He was like the head of security when the Cardassians left and just got to keep the gig. What's the difference though between Odo putting up a camera and Odo turning himself into a glass to be in a room where shit's going down? I would argue there isn't much difference between the two. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess the difference is that you can put cameras up all over the place, and that kind of gives you a. And Odo a only has the number of eyes that he can put on his weird goo body. Yeah, how much of Odo do you need for it to be Odo? Could he like separate it into two different parts? 
And then is it both Odo or is one of them, whichever one is bigger, Odo? Yeah, if one if one half is fifty one percent and the other is forty nine, is the fifty one percent the the more sentient? Does, does he always have to be totally contiguous? Because like the T one thousand can get like some blobs dropped off of him, and then they they reabsorb into his police shoe, that weird black shoe that police wear. Could he turn himself into a fine mist? <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. He'd probably he be a, do that. He'd probably be a great plumber, right? Flush him <laughs> down a toilet. <laughs> he'd know exactly what's blocking your pipes. So they do some surveillance, right? They watch Quark on FaceTime with this Cardassian, and Quark is like putting in a requisition and I guess putting in the product number on a on a website like this. <laughs> this gull is like putting it in and and uh, his his computer turns into like you know you see the like flashing light on his face. I and, love uh, Bohica here. Quark like gives him the UPC code and Bohica enters it, and it's like if you only have a UPC code on Amazon and it like brings up a sex toy, you will get nothing <laughs> but like sex toy ads for the rest of your life. <laughs> I like how quickly he goes through like okay, my life is over and my career is ruined, so. Uh, let me just make sure you don't tell me any further information and hopefully that will minimize how much trouble I'm in because I'm already in a lot. This poor guy. Yeah. I can't remember another Cardassian that I felt sorry for. I do feel sorry for Bohica. Yeah, he has kind of like Cranston and Malcolm in the Middle vibes a little bit. <laughs> Honey, the important thing is no cops were there to see it. He's kind of jovial and boisterous and then yeah. like in big trouble, like in much bigger trouble than he knows how to deal with before he realizes it. His fear really helps that, right? If he was if he was bravely resisting the trouble he was in, he would be just like any other Cardassian. But he's yeah. totally freaking out in a fun way. What did you think of that close up on Quark in this scene? There's a really tight close-up where it's like Cork is like almost looking at the lens. It's yeah, b- because they do a shot reverse shot FaceTime, right? Mm-hmm. I liked it. I mean, I didn't think it was a bad shot to the degree that I barely even noticed it as being a unique thing. Man, I I thought it was really remarkable. Like the, like I I guess I just haven't seen them get that close on a face when it's shot reverse shot FaceTime on this show. They both do a fair amount of leaning in and leaning back off of the camera in this scene in a fun way to emphasize points. Yeah. Like there's so much body language in that. I've been, uh, I, my therapist occasionally, like if, if there's a scheduling issue and I have to reschedule an appointment, will sometimes do FaceTime therapy appointment with me. Whoa. And it's always like, I, I'm very like self-conscious of like where I am in the frame on the FaceTime and like, uh, you know, and I like clean up the, the like office, the portion of my office that will be visible through the camera on my computer when, when I do it. <laughs> <laughs> Including like, the year one tour poster that we had. Dude, I totally moved the year one tour poster away and put a different piece of art on the wall today. <laughs> Good job by you. I had a therapy appointment. I didn't want her to ask, like, who is that strange-looking man in the diaper uh, in that picture behind you? Do you think your (laughs) co-host, Pendulous Sack, (laughs) is an existential threat 
<laughs> to your good mental health? <laughs> I've seen cod pieces, but this is ridiculous. Uh, do you feel like FaceTime therapy is less good than in-person <laughs> therapy in any way? Uh, I think it is. I wouldn't want it to be the routine, mm-hmm. but uh, it works in a pinch. I like. I wouldn't want it to be the routine because I think that there is a part of this that is about like the act of like leaving the house and going and doing something on yeah. behalf of my own well-being yeah that is impactful you know yeah like, the same thing of like getting out and going to yoga or going to the gym or whatever it's like i'm not gonna sit here like a lump feeling bad for myself i'm gonna go do something about this yeah yeah so. I, I find a lot of my problems are, are the result of not leaving the house <laughs> So I feel you there. Yeah. One of the issues that Bohica has with entering this number is that uh, the number represents a secret item in the Cardassian order. You and your damn requisition code is for classified biotechnology, Quark. Even the cursed number is classified. Created by the Obsidian Order, which is uh, an intelligence wing of Cardassia. It's compared to the Romulan Tel Shiar in this episode, and uh, and in a Tel Shiar doesn't have shit on us kind of way. Right. Yeah. Obsidian Order ain't nothing to fuck with. Right. They seem like some pretty pretty scary dudes, and they wind up, you know, like I I like the way they're introduced in this episode. They kind of get introduced as just like, uh, yeah, oh, that's what this thing is, and then this thing becomes kind of a pivotal element of the episode. Do you think Gol Madred was Obsidian Order? I fail to see where this analysis is leading. To have gotten away with doing that to a Starfleet flagship captain? I don't know. Like, this is a new, this is new continuity, right? Yeah. So I would say that you you would be quite free to retcon him as being that. Yeah, I wonder. And, and the, like, level of of what they're capable of that is implied by this episode is pretty fun. The Obsidian Order is just all about stripping their prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> They're very into humiliation. Yeah. The dignity of of everybody is entirely the choice of the Obsidian Order. Like you'll 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 get the amount of dignity that you deserve and no more. A lot of a uh, lot of gull Lindy England types over there. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a few bad apples. It's not the legates at the top. It's all these like kind of there's some <laughs> there's some gulls in the system that that were not properly trained. You know, uh-huh. do, this does not go up to the top at all. Nobody more powerful than a gull should get in trouble for for what's going on in the Obsidian Order. There's a description of the Obsidian Order that that calls them the eyes and the ears. Like there's the an example used about them goes like uh, you can't. You can't eat your breakfast or take a shit without them knowing what you're eating or or where you're shitting. Like, and that is an interesting counterpoint to Odo's affixing of a bunch of cameras around DS9. Except the episode never connects those two. Yeah, I thought that was weird too. Like the, like he learned all his tricks from these guys, right? 
I got that sense, but it is so downplayed. Like their relationship, like Odo's Spycraft's relationship to Obsidian Order is is handled so separately in this episode that I don't believe that any comparison drawn between them is intended. Yeah. And I kind of wish that, that it was. I'm with you, buddy. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pale. I'm fucking a pale. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. I don't use the bucket anymore. Bashir heads back to the office and finds that Garrick has checked himself out of the hospital uh, on his own recognizance. Bashir allowed him to have clothes, unlike (laughs) what he usually does to Dax. Doctor, what a pleasant surprise. And so he, like, goes to Garrick's quarters, and he has to, like, medical override the doors open because Garrick won't answer. And Garrick is in the midst of, like, hypo-spraying shit into his neck when Bashir walks in. How much of this did you take? A mere 30 cc's. Not nearly enough, I'm afraid. Yeah, he got caught uh, with the works in his hands. Yeah. Oh, there's your rig. It's uh, (laughs) a... It's out in the open now, Garrick. This is one of the scenes where Andrew Robinson as Garrick just like boxes out the rest of the cast members and takes over the show. Yeah. He is really incredible here. And the production gives him the respect of giving him a couple of oneers, like a couple of really nice runs of dialogue unbroken. Yeah. And this is one of them when he st- when he tells this story. They're not cutting around. They're 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 letting the camera linger on him and letting him like go through the cycle. Yeah. In a take, which is, you know, that's that's how you want to do it, right? Like you want to, like it's such an interesting character because he's so big, you mm-hmm. know, like he he's really big, and we've never seen him go through feelings like this before, like. What he's going through in this episode is so personal and so, you know, he's in so much pain, so much obvious pain that... But it's uh, but it's all kinds of pain, right? It's not just physical. He's being tormented by memories yeah. and shame. And, like, the, like the, mot- the motivation he has is that he does not want to be the subject of Bajoran schadenfreude whatever his feelings about the occupation or like what he did in the occupation, which he lies about a whole bunch of times, the fact that he has to live here and be seen in public by the, you know, people under whose boot heel who were under his boot heel for so long, like the idea of them getting to enjoy his suffering is impossible for him to bear. And that's that like, kind of makes him seem more evil than he has seemed in the past, but also weirdly humanizes him. Right. Like it kind of does both things at the same time, which is by, a real magic trick. By humanizes him, uh, do you, it, could I use the word like sympathizes him? Yeah. 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 He really goes through a lot of stages here in this scene in a great way. He's totally riveting. Yeah, he's really good. And um, he's also doing a little bit of um, the uh, do you know how I got these scars in this episode? Like, I, I almost wondered if Nolan based some of the Joker 
in in the Batman movie off of uh, off of this Garrick character trait. Where oh, interesting. He tells the same origin story over and over again, and it's different each time. Huh. Never start with the head. The victim gets all fuzzy. I kind of doubt it because it's uh, Heath Ledger and Christopher Nolan and, like, <laughs> Hollywood, like, serious Hollywood people. You don't think serious Hollywood people are using DS9 as cues? I mean... What should be taken very seriously is Andrew Robinson's performance, which yeah. is great. But no, I don't believe anyone is mining DS9 for uh, character-building material for <laughs> for superhero films, unfortunately. Oh, well, Adam. Oh, well. What Garrick confides here is that he has an implant in his head that's primary use was to turn on in the event that he'd been tortured and so it, yeah. it kind of like if he were to be tortured it would get him through that torture in such a way that it would almost be enjoyable like it's, like it's, like he would stand up to that sort of harsh questioning it stimulates his pre- pleasure centers to the extent that if somebody asked him to say uh you know how many lights do you see he would say there are four lights right not oh, oh, oh. evidently uh his experience on the station is such that it has felt like torture to the degree that he decided on a whim to just turn it on yeah and he he hates being here so much that he's essentially been dosing himself like he's been gradually modulating up how much prozac he's been taking it really unlocks something about Garrick over the last two seasons for me, which is like, yeah, he's totally been stoned for two seasons. <laughs> like, he's been on 20 milligram gummies throughout. And it totally, like, if you think back on all the fun Garrick moments with how chill he's been in just about every situation, like, of course, of course, he's just trying to relax. And it's worked, but the problem is the thing in his brain has run out of juice and he's become dependent on those higher endorphin levels. And without them, he's going through a form of withdrawals. Yeah, and so like Bashir convinces him at long length to tell him where the uh, where the garage door opener is that turns on and off the the chip in his head. And Bashir pulls it out and, and switches him off. And that precipitates Garrick needing to go through withdrawals. Yeah, and in a scene that you get in a lot of films that feature drug withdrawals, you get uh, a passing time montage where a caretaker is in tight quarters with someone who needs that kind of care. Yeah, and the you know, you get the dissolve to like show him in different parts of the room like making himself a cup of tea, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in, uh, in Star Trek, you get the single brass instrument of passing time, <laughs> which you definitely get here. Sure. I thought that it was interesting that Odo was like, cool, he's off the drugs. Let's talk to him about these murders. It sounds like he was in the Obsidian Order. Yeah. We can, uh, we can track some information down now. Yeah, Odo, a person who asks permission from nobody... Uh, seems on on some level to be interested in going by the book in this case. 
Yeah, it's interesting that like like I think that the the politics of this could be tested, you know, Odo could try to go over Bashir's head here and see if Cisco would order him to do something. Yeah. But he doesn't. It's clear by the end of the episode that I'm not sure that you would get anything if you were to interrogate Garrick. Right. You'd get 40 different versions of the answer to a question. Yeah, and like one of the scenes during the detox is Garrick telling Bashir in a way that feels like really raw and honest. Like, I hate your guts and I hate myself for looking forward to hanging out with you and you know, like telling all these stories that seem to be both plausible but also apocryphal about what has motivated him over the course of his life. There is such an acute kind of pain that comes from a friend really giving you the business yeah. and like and like hitting all the buttons. I know what all of your sensitivities are because how how much time I've spent with you. And so now I'm going to stick knives in all of them. Yeah. And that's what Garrick's doing to Bashir. And in, and in Bashir's, to Bashir's credit, he sees this as a medical problem and not a friendship problem at this point. Like right. He's, he's, he, he lets he's it taking, run off his back. Yeah. Which was a, a character building moment for me. It made me like Bashir a lot here. He doesn't break, especially... Once well, he starts being thrown around the room. Yeah, they do, they do start... Uh, <laughs> they do start Star Trek fighting here. There, there's a, a Star Trek tussle that only ends because Garrick like, is like having a seizure or something, right? The Bashir stunt double is uh, not great <laughs> in terms of how closely he looks like Siddig. Yeah. Is it an <laughs> I'm going to get you sucker level? Yeah. Stunt double. Yeah, I mean it's very nicely edited, but uh, but yeah. it's super fun. Good thing Garrick keeps his quarters so gloomy, right? Right. So Garrick is back to being unconscious in the infirmary, and uh, you know th- th- it feels like a more controlled environment than his own quarters. Yeah. Um, but you know they're they're realizing that. There's only so much they can do for him because his uh, Dr. Bashir's knowledge of Cardassian physiology is just so limited, and all of the all of the stuff in the computer has been wiped. You know, like the Cardassians didn't leave their medical files before. You know, when they when they pulled out. This is another example of wishing that the Bajoran people on the station had more to do in a story that is Cardassian centric because right. uh, there's that Bajoran nurse and she's very like professional and like she's never got weird feelings about providing life-saving care that was exactly where I was going yeah that's nurse Jabara played by Steve Sanders's mom uh, she's back this is she's a character that's been on the show a couple of times before but yeah Where's her mixed feelings? Where is Kira or even Cisco about this? Like one or both or all of them should have something to say about this. Yeah. And furthermore, who is Steve Sanders? <laughs> Steve Sanders from 90210 Open. Ask your wife. <laughs> Don't tell me to ask my wife something, you creep. Do you think it's weird that Bashir is given the latitude to do whatever he wants 
for Garrick's care without ever asking Cisco what he should be doing. Yeah, it's... Like, not that Bashir would need to ask permission, but, like, I feel like a couple of just run-it-by-Cisco's would be sort of the thing to do when you're dealing with a person all people involved know to be a spy. Right. The national security implications of what Garrick is going through are non-trivial. Exactly. And Garrick is not exactly advocating for his own well-being, right? Like, they realize that they can turn the gizmo and his brain back on, buy him a week, and see if they can synthesize the leukocytes that they need to help him detox. But Garrick is unwilling to entertain that as an option, which makes the urgency surrounding saving his life fairly high. There's something pretty powerful that happens here, which is that uh, Garrick kind of turns this into deathbed confession mode. Right. The the story he's told about how he was busted down to tailor duty has changed throughout the episode. And right. in, there, and was, in there this... was the like wasting a ship full of civilians and his buddy Elim at some yeah. point. And this one it's like it's about how he heard that he was going to get betrayed and and kicked out of the Obsidian Order by his brother Elim or not his brother but his like dear friend Elim and uh and worked very hard to have that happen to Elam instead of himself, but find out that it was already like too far gone by the time he did anything. Yeah. So he's got the guilt of betraying his dear friend, but also the, the knowledge that his dear friend betrayed him. He got the double whammy as it were. And he like wants sympathy and forgiveness from Bashir, which is a very, a very sympathetic moment for him. You know, like I, I'm here, like, thinking back on, like, the terrible things that I've tried to do and have done in my life, and I want to feel like they're not that bad. Like, I didn't, like, I'm not the, a, a terrible person. Earlier in the episode, Garrick drops a name, a name of the guy who actually gave him the implant. And that guy's Anna Brown Tain. And so Bashir, reaching a reaching basically the moment of desperation, decides to grab a runabout and go out to see this guy because in addition to the name drop, Garrick also states where he lives. Peppers into the conversation enough information for Bashir to actually find the retired head of the Obsidian Order. And he runabouts out there and um, is like, in the dude's living room when he walks in like i guess that's how houses work in cardassia sure uh and anabran dane is uh, a great character he's like kind of a rotund dude and he he comes in he knows all of bashir's drink order specifics and um you know he does a lot to telegraph that uh this is not a surprise to him and and that he knows more about Bashir than uh, Bashir knows about himself, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't seem like you get too many stocky Cardassians, but they do get stockier the higher up they go in rank, I feel like. 
Yeah. It feels like gulls are very slender with long necks. And and leggets are comfortable, Yeah, you like to say. Yeah. And this guy, this guy having been retired and, and having had a career at the top of the Obsidian Order, he's soft. Good for him. (laughs) He's got this interesting combination of pragmatic and even keeled, but like super duper vindictive. Like he he's very praiseworthy of how skilled Garrick was as an operative, but also is like, yeah, he needs to like he needs to live so that he can be miserable for the rest of his long life. And yeah. that's a pretty evil one two punch. Well it's not it's not evil to hold a grudge. Isn't it, Adam? <laughs> Isn't it? I'm saying that in my own defense, who, uh, <laughs> as someone who famously holds grudges. Remind me never to get on the wrong side of Adam Pranica. Well, I guess I just have my first taste of the filthy side of this business. One of the things that this guy gives Bashir is the knowledge that uh, there is no Elam. Elam is Garrick's first name. Yeah, and uh, Bashir's been buds with Garrick for a long time and did not know that. So that's pretty fun. <laughs> What's great about Enabrand's deal is like... Are you saying Enabrand, like uh, like you say, Ankylosaur? Yeah. <laughs> I'm having a hard time with his name. Enabrand. 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 Yeah. Enabrand. 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 Ankylosaur. What I like about Enabrand's deal here is that like he's giving Bashir the life-extending information to to patch Garrick up, but yeah. only because it will extend and torture Garrick for the rest of his life as he remains on DS9. Like, it's right. a it's a real yes, but situation. This guy does not need to be caught up on any of the, you know, they don't they don't have to show him the episode up till now yeah. the way Riker would have right. had to. He is well aware of everything that's going on and, uh, yeah, wants to seal the deal that Garrick gets to live the rest of his life shittily. He knows exactly what Bashir likes to drink. He has to know that they have weekly breakfasts every week for a year. Yeah. He's got to know that Garrick had turned on the the device. Right. He has to know all that shit. I wonder if that device calls home when it gets turned on. He's got to know about the voles, right? (laughs) Yeah. By the way, dude, what do you think? Glue traps? Snap traps? Is there something else? (laughs) Yeah, Bashir really should have used his time more efficiently here and gotten more more info on the DS9. Listen, O'Brien is going to be yeah, super he, pissed at him. What Bashir, if he had a little bit more guile, would have realized is that now he has some leverage. Anabrantain has re- revealed that he wants Garrick to live long and suffer. And therefore, Bashir could be like, well, I don't have to save him. Like... Like, I could go back and this could be a total slip-up and he could die peacefully in his sleep. You don't want that, do you? Tell me about these voles. <laughs> you know? That's that's what Bashir should have done. <laughs> but instead, he just gets, you know, he gets the medical information transmitted to the station's computer and he heads back and he... Uh, patches his little buddy Garrick up. He's like, he's having lunch and Garrick steps up to the table and they have a little perfunctory conversation about like, you shouldn't be out of bed, buddy. No, I hate it in there. Ha 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 ha. They play a little game of like two truths and a lie. Bashir wants to know which of the stories Garrick told him in this very trying episode were true. And 
Garrick says that they were all true, even the lies. Especially the lies. I have been complaining. I had complained a couple of times up until now about things that uh, I wish had occurred in the episode that didn't. Yeah. But something does not occur here that I'm glad didn't occur, which is Garrick apologizing for being such a dick to Bashir earlier. There's never that moment of, you know, I was really fucked up and going through withdrawals. Like, I'm sorry, said all that messed up, th- all those messed up things to you. There's right. never any of that. And part of it, I think, is that Bashir understands that he was going through withdrawals. I think the darker part of it is all of that was true. And that Garrick might actually yeah. feel that way and does not wish to apologize for saying any of it. Well, I think that you can feel that way and also have it not mean as much as it sounds like it means you know like any close relationship i have like there's a lot i love about the person and things that i resent or dislike about the person and i let the things that i love about the person take more weight you know right and sometimes you have those dark moments where you let all of the bad side come out and ignore the good side and ideally you uh you take ownership of that that bad stuff right mm. <laughs> or not <Yeah>. you know <laughs> no i i'm just thinking about it yeah weird did you like the episode adam yeah i really did i think this is one of my favorites of season two i liked it quite a bit and i wouldn't have expected to given how absent uh the heavy hitters of Season two have been barely a Kalamini. Yeah. Very little uh, Jadzia Dax next to zero Nanavi's tour and a single line out of Avery Brooks. Like, I would not have expected an episode free from all of those people to be as good as this was. But I think that just says a lot about how unappreciating I have been for uh, Dr. Bashir and Garrick up until now. I think giving them. This bottle was a really good idea. Yeah, this, uh, like, Bashir app before now has not necessarily boded well. Agreed, yeah. And and, uh, and this time it was a great app. And, you know, Alexander Siddig is not, he's kind of the straight man in this episode. Mm -hmm. But his performance is really good. I saw a lot of sides of his character that I've wanted to see before, you know, the caretaker, the, the concerned friend that, you know, have Mm -hmm. been presented. Like, I think, I think previous episodes that centered around him have not necessarily reflected well on the character. And this generally really does. Yeah. I also like, I thought it was shot. Interestingly, like there, there's some really great and interesting close-ups. There's some, great wide shots like i don't think that we've seen like full full body shots of uh alexander Siddig so far and he has he's probably the only character that looks good in the deep space nine version of the starfleet uniform because he's yeah. so lean like his he kind of looks like fred astaire in his uniform yeah he's very lithe he's very like elegant in this episode and uh not for nothing, Ben. This is the first DS9 episode to be directed by a woman. It's Kim Friedman. Really? And they liked her work so much that they brought her back to do a, a bunch more episodes. 
So your uh, your instinct that something was different about this app and its direction bared some truth. How about that female gaze? (laughs) I think I was able to answer this with my answer to whether or not I like the episode, but do you think that in order to like the episode, you have to be okay with the questions about Garrick being unanswered or being ambiguous? Because I think a lot of people who wouldn't like this episode would probably dislike it because you go through all of this and you're back to one with Garrick. Like, <laughs> like you go through a ton of shit and, and I don't think you're, you're more knowledgeable for it in terms of Garrick's right. story. Where it's are you vulnerable, on vulnerable, but in a way that is kind of, you can't get back to that point. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, really, it only makes him vulnerable. It does not disclose anything else. Right. Because... Because you just don't know what to believe. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind that. I like that he's a chaos agent, and yeah, I like that there seem to be times when he can't be trusted, and other times where he's instrumental to saving the day. You know, yeah, that makes him such an interesting factor in the sh- in the show. Well, the chaos agent in every episode of The Greatest Generation is the priority one message. What do you say we? See if we have any of those, Ben. Let's do it. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of priority one messages here. The first one is of a promotional nature, and it's from our buddy Felipe Sobriero, whose name I am positive i'm saying wrong because he is from brazil and i am always wrong when it comes to pronouncing something portuguese Uh, (laughs) it goes like this if you aren't as embarrassed as ben and adam to let people know you're into star trek get your three wharf mourn apparel right now designed by friend of desoto felipe sobriero visit sobriero.threadless.com and that's uh, s-o-b-r-e-i ro.threadless.com and shop like a warrior. Kapla! Shop like a warrior. That's great, Felipe. <laughs> Jeez. What's great yeah. about his store is that you can put that three wharf morn design on like a pillow or a shower curtain or like a like there are various textiles that you can put this artwork on that I think is great. Oh, amazing. I had no idea. That's uh yeah, it's not just for shirts. That's tremendous. <laughs> we were kind of hoping for this to be a an official Greatest Gen merch item, and a, a number of factors prevented that from happening. But uh, we are really excited that Felipe is selling it nonetheless, because uh, Three Wolf, it's, you know, you, you've seen the Three Wolf Moon t-shirt. This is Three Wolf Morin. So imagine Three Wolfs and a Morin. You get it. Right? <laughs> I really hope that uh, he just rakes it in from the Friends of DeSoto with this design because it's really funny. And uh, he's also the guy doing the design for our board game, which is getting improved very shortly. Yeah, we're so lucky to have such talented friends. Indeed, Adam. Do we have any more Priority One messages? We do. We have a personal Priority One message. It is from Colonel Walter E. Kurtz. It is for John Roderick. <laughs> what? Unfortunately for Colonel Kurtz, John Roderick doesn't listen to podcasts. 
Yeah. So I'm not sure. Least if he'll of get... all podcast made by dear friends of his. Right. Message goes like this: It's impossible for words to describe what is necessary to those who do not know what Star Trek means. Trek. Trek has a face, and you must make a friend of Trek. Trek and bad jokes are your friends. If they are not, then they are enemies to be feared. They are truly enemies. Drop the bomb, exterminate all the Hoosnock. <laughs> Is that your best Kurtz impression, Adam? I don't have a Kurtz impression. Trek and bad jokes are your friends. <laughs> that's my that's my Kurtz. That's my bad Kurtz. Strong Kurtz. Uh, well, I don't know if we'll remember to tell John that that happened or, or what what it was by the time we do remember. But uh, thank you, Colonel Walter Kurtz, for sending that in. If you're interested in... Hmm, let's really sell P1s this time, Ben. What do you think? How do we do let's it? Let's sell the shit out of them, Adam. Ben, Priority One messages are some of the best ways to support the ongoing production of our show. You've heard advertisements on our show from time to time. Those entities pay a lot more than what a Priority One message costs, that's for sure. So if you've got like a if you've got like a project or a product that you would like to get into the minds of tens of thousands of friends of DeSoto, this is where you go. You go to maximumfund.org slash jumbotron. It's hundred bucks for a personal message and two hundred for a commercial message. While we're at it, if you're interested in in selling an advertisement, I think you'd be surprised at how obscene the number of listeners are that we have for this show. Get a hold of Kira yeah. at maximumfund.org and she'll hook you up. Kira will hook it up, and uh, you know we've got we've got repeat businesses from a lot of advertisers, so it seems to be working. At least something does. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by seven customer support. 
Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I think you had the term just a moment ago. The Shimoda of the episode is the chaos agent most of the time, and Garrick's the chaos agent of DS9. I think he's given the most to do here. He gets the drunkest in this episode. He gets the literal drunkest. (laughs) <laughs> in a very, I love the way he plays that scene. Like he's not. I like that. Uh, I like that. Um, Anabrin Tain is also drinking the same. Yeah. Thing as him later in the episode. I like that too. Yeah, the barbicide. Yeah. <laughs> he's really great in this ep at all times. He plays drunk. He plays serious. He plays coy. He plays all of it. He plays hurt. He just does a lot of heavy lifting in this episode, so it's got to be Garrick for me. What about you, Ben? My drunk Shimoda in this episode is, I guess it's Quark. Um, it's the scene where Bashir is walking around after hours, like the the bar is shutting down, and uh, they show a shot of one of the bartender, you know, the Ferengi bar staff, lowering the security shutters on mm-hmm. the bar. And they appear to just be like loose, hanging, kind of accordion-folded sheets. They're not like the security shutters on a real store where the, you know, it's like metal slats that are actually in a track so that you couldn't ever pull them out. It's just kind of like a like a Roman blind that he's pulling down. And uh, I just thought that that was uh, a real asshole move on Quark's part to have that shitty of security given all the dirt he wants to be doing after hours 
Well, I mean, given the number of security cameras up around the station, maybe he's thinking that he'll, uh, like, camera coverage will be the deterrent in that, <laughs> in that yeah. shutter. And yet there's a camera in the middle of his dining room that he's totally unaware of. Yeah. He's got a real blind spot. His peripheral vision has got to be fucked with those ears, right? <laughs> I guess so. Would you see them? I don't know if you would see them. I mean, put your fingers on your ears and then and then draw them out five inches. I can see both of my fingers. Can you? Yeah, I guess it would fuck your peripheral vision up. It totally would. Whoa. Totally. Shit, dog. If well, we ever get to interview Armin Shimmerman, I'm going to be sure to ask how his <laughs> peripheral vision was obscured by those ears. Don't make promises you can't keep, Adam. <laughs> what do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season two, episode 23, Crossover, a mishap in the wormhole sends Kira and Bashir into an alternate universe where Bajor is a tyrannical power and humans are slaves? Is this a Mirror Universe episode? I'm thinking it might be. It kind of reads like Mirror Universe, right? Huh. If this is, this might be the one where... Odo gets shot and, like, turns into Ublek. Oh. Which which is a really awesome effect that I remember quite vividly from watching this show the first time. Hmm. Uh, Netflix, of course, has it as, After experiencing operational difficulties while traveling through the wormhole, Kira and Bashir find themselves in an alternate universe. Which kind of makes me think you're right. Interesting. Wow. Well, I'm psyched to uh, get myself back over to the Mirror Universe. Be fun to see what the differences are. Yeah, I mean, like this was. I think Mirror Universe, as of as of uh, when this actually aired, Mirror Universe hadn't been heard from since TOS. They didn't mess around with that shit in TNG. Deep Space Nine did a deep dive into the Mirror Universe with five separate episodes across five different seasons. Crossover in season two, Through the Looking Glass in season three, Shattered Mirror in season four, Resurrection in season six, and The Emperor's New Cloak in season seven. Wow, they did it kind of a lot. Yeah. Cool, so... It's kind of a main thing in, in Deep Space Nine. That checks out. Fun. Adam, do you want to see if we're going to be doing it in any particular type of way? Yeah, I think we have to, Ben. We are uh, currently on square 71, which is just on the porch of a Quark's <laughs> bar on square 72. Has it been long enough since our last Quark's bar episode to be on the porch again? Aren't there rules? Hardly. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. All right, well, I'm going to roll. Oh, f- <laughs> I, ro- I rolled a one. Delivery! There you go. Yeah, that's what oh. we deserve. Drink! It's the antidote! That's oh, what you buddy. get for talking shit, Ben. That is what I deserve. I don't really believe in luck or foreordination or anything, but that's kind of creepy. Yeah, well, that's us. That being the case, I guess next next week we will be rage drunks because it's the mirror universe i don't know how does it work (laughs) maybe we are uh we're stone cold sober and we're just drinking uh virgin daiquiris yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> All the calories, none of the alcohol. None of the fun. Well, that'll be the next episode. In the meantime, we'd really appreciate it if you uh, went over to Apple Podcasts, left a nice review, went to greatestgencon, K-H-A-N dot com, and uh, got yourself tickets to one of our many live shows that are coming up. Those are going to be great, and uh, we are really looking forward to them. In a scant couple of weeks, we are going to be in Las Vegas, which... That's uh, right. Which is counter-programmed against the Las Vegas Star Trek convention, which I'm sure a lot of you are going to. And, uh, you know, if you want to go do something a little bit punk rock, a little bit uh, slam dance in the shadow <laughs> of the of the, uh, You don't know anything pocket. about punk rock, do you? <laughs> you don't think slam dance is punk rock? Yeah, slam dance is punk rock. That's not the reference that I would have reached for. <laughs> I, w- I was making a, a second analogy, not not continuing with the same one. I'm um, psyched for this Vegas show, Ben. Yeah, it's going to be great, and uh, you know we're going to uh, we're going to see see the con a little bit ourselves, which I'm also excited about. I've never been to a Star Trek convention, so it'll oh. be a real experience for me. You'll be cosplaying as Benjamin R. Harrison from The Greatest Generation. I'll be cosplaying as that guy that went to summer camp that time and introduced himself to people as Wesley. Yeah. Uh, I think you can yeah, pull that so, off. So, uh, you know, come to that show or come to one of the, I think, 18 or 19 other shows that we have announced. It's greatestgencon.com, and con is spelled K-H-A-N because it's not a convention, it's a live show about Star Trek Wrath of Khan. Get it? Yeah, that would be really confusing if you if you dropped in on one of our shows expecting it to be a convention like atmosphere. It's a no, show, it's, and it's, it's a great. Show. It's a really fun show. It's got a couple of jokes in it that I am tremendously proud of, and dozens and dozens of jokes in it that I'm pretty ashamed of. So, <laughs> so uh, that's you know, our brand. Let that inform your purchasing decision. <laughs> Way to stir up our viewers into a lather. <laughs> a lather of ticket-buying power. A, a, a number of jokes that if I had to explain them at a dinner party with a bunch of my wife's friends, I would be pretty embarrassed about the whole thing. You can also support the show by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate and uh, making a monthly contribution to support the production of this program. We can't do it without y'all. Yeah, uh, 220 episodes in the can up until now. Yeah. If you've enjoyed our work up until now, and if that has a value to you, I would encourage you to help with the ongoing production of the show, because we hope to do hundreds and hundreds more from here. Go to that, and uh, help make them stay be free and stay free forever. We should thank Dark Materia for our original theme music and the great Adam Ragusea who has made so much great music for the program. And with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, which leaves me so little time to grow a goatee. <laughs> <laughs>
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.